The message you're about to hear is a production of the Word and Sound Ministry of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Throne of Grace, Richmond Hill. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God bless you as you listen to the transforming and inspiring Word of God. All the heavenly citizens in the house, give him a shout of praise. He deserves more. We thank you. Let's celebrate him one more time. Celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What a great God we have. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. I'd like us to do one or two quick things. Um, uh, this is the last Sunday of talking about the kingdom come. So we're going to take one or two prayer points. Um, we're going to take it from the book of Matthew chapter 11. Fragrance of light. Don't go yet because I think we may do one or two songs depending on how God leads us. Matthew 11 verse 12. And I'd like for us to read it in the Amplified Version. We're going to use that to pray. Uh, Matthew 11 12. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of where? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It says, endures violent assault. That's the amplified version. It says, endures violent assault. And it says that violent men and women, um, women is there, so... Don't think there's only men. In the kingdom of God, there's no masculine or feminine gender. So it says, violent men seize it how? They seize it by force. He said, they seize it as a precious prize. They take a share in the heavenly kingdom. They take a share. Friends, I don't know about you, but one of the greatest things we need to take and seize this morning is the salvation of everyone in our home and the salvation of everyone in throne of grace, young or old. You see, no matter what we're doing, let's, whether it's we're playing church or walking in life, if you have loved ones and you go to heaven and they go to hell, it will be a big regret. So we're going to pray. Your loved ones, your spouse, your children, your friends, your parents, your siblings. You're going to ask God, Father, in your mercy, let everyone in throne of grace, let everyone in my home, let everyone amongst my friends, let them be saved in the mighty name of Jesus. We take a hold and we pray this morning. We seize their salvation, oh God. We are asking that in the name that's above every name. Everyone in my home, everyone in your church, everyone amongst my siblings and their families, everyone amongst my parents, my parents-in-law, Lord, I ask today for the salvation of their souls in the mighty name of Jesus. You said in your word you do not desire the death of anyone, but that everyone will come to repentance and live. Therefore, we are asking today for the salvation of everyone. In the mighty name of Jesus, let there be no son or daughter of perdition in throne of grace. That is our prayer today. 
that is our request today. We stand in the gap for this. And we pray that in the name that's above every name, you will cause it to come to pass. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. The second dimension of the kingdom we're going to pray. As we wrap up this prayer session and then we take the word. Is that we have to enforce the kingdom benefits. Our father owns everything in the world. How can you be the son or the daughter of Bill Gates and still be lack in lack? How can you be the father, the, I mean the son or the daughter of the, the man that has life and you don't have life? You don't have good health. You don't have sound mind. You don't have peace. Things are not working. Things are not prospering. The sea sickness. We're going to declare, Father, every benefit of the kingdom, good health, sun mind, prosperity, fruitfulness, I receive it for me, my life, my family, and the church of God. Lift up your voice. We receive it this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Every benefit of the kingdom, every life in the kingdom, every beauty in the kingdom, every glory in the kingdom, every joy in the kingdom, every peace in the kingdom, every good heart in the kingdom. Lord, we enforce it in our lives. We enforce it in your church. We enforce it in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare good heart is our portion. We declare prosperity is our portion. We declare sun mind is our portion. We declare we are fruitful in the land. We declare we in Kasu Prondo Sataria. There's no lack amongst us. We declare your peace, rules, and reigns in our lives. Mangali Radabasuto Pazati and Therefore, in the name that's above every name, Akiadadovosa, every kingdom benefit not operating in our lives as individuals and as a church. We declare they begin to operate now in the name of Jesus. We give you praise and we give you glory. We give you worship, Heavenly Father. We give you honor. We worship your name. You are greatly to be praised. Father, you reign. Yes, you reign. Let's just sing just the chorus of that song. Greatly to be praised. Greatly to be praised. Father, you reign. Great are you, Lord, greatly to be praised. Let us sing it solemnly and quietly. Father, solemnly. Great are you, Lord, greatly to be praised. Greatly to be praised.
we acknowledge your greatness in the house. We recognize that there is none that can compare with you. We return all the praise and all the glory to you, our Father. Thank you for this awesome privilege of being sons and daughters to you. We thank you. What a great God you are. Accept our thanks and our praise. For in Jesus' mighty name, we give thanks. In Jesus' mighty name, we give thanks. One more time, I'd like you to just celebrate Jesus as you have your seats. We give you praise, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, fragrance of life. The Lord bless you. Praise the name of the Lord. How many people are expectant and prepared for next Sunday? It's going to be a powerful time in the presence of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, because it is multicultural service Sunday, if I were you, I would come with my multicultural attire. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if in, your, if in your culture, what they wear is, um, you know, if the men wear, they tie what they call oja. <laughs> and then you wear some, you know, uh, this, you know, just dress in your multicultural way. And let's give God thanks and praise like never before. Let's come with an expectation to praise God. I am very certain that our lives will not be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's not also forget Thursday in our prayer, you know, uh, conference line, we're going to be spending time to just to praise God. On Friday, by the special grace of God, we're going to be here. We're going to be praising God. This month of September, we're going into is a month of praise. And praise will not depart from our lips in the mighty name of Jesus. As we praise him some more, God will empower us for greater things. In Jesus' name, praise the name of the Lord. And of course, on Saturday as well, we're going to be doing the same. Father, we thank you once more. Speak to us from your word. In Jesus' name. Well, I'm speaking this morning. I'd like us, please take away the reverb, please. I'm speaking this morning on kingdom priorities. Kingdom priorities. Kingdom priorities. You know, when you talk about priorities, you're talking about what is important in life. What is important. What means so much to you. So if I should ask some of us now, what, what are your priorities? I'm sure we'll probably have two or three or four or five items that will say these are priorities to me. Things that, as it were, that's, that's, that's your pursuit. That's your goal. They are such precious to you that you are ready to do everything to get it. Priorities, therefore, could be said to be something very important. More important than any other thing. And that needs to be done and done first. That's what priorities are. You know, they tell us in management that if, if you want to go very far, every day you must have a to-do list. You don't just wake up in the morning and you start chasing the day. Rather, when you wake up in the morning, there must be items of things you want to do. And a book called Eat That Frog. I don't know many people have eaten, reading, read that book before. Many people have read, eh, read it. What are you guys reading? <laughs> <laughs> You know, the first time I saw the caption of that book, Eat That Frog, I said, what kind of frog are they asking me to eat? 
But see, it just talks about the power of prioritizing your day, prioritizing your activities. Very, very important. Very, very important. For, for instance, tomorrow is Monday. For some of us, we're not looking forward to tomorrow. You know why? Because you're going to go to work. I remember, I remember back in the days when I was into active work life, you know, working for an organization. I'm still into an active work life, but I don't work for an organization. You know, by the special grace of God, you know, I work for a company that I have some level of control over. But you see, when I was working for an individual, I, I, I had to report a clock in at a particular point in time. But you see, it was such always a struggle. For close to five years in that organization, I kept saying to God, Lord, I want to leave this job. But you see, I couldn't leave the job. Why? When I look at the things and the beasts I've got to pay, even though I didn't like the job, I've got to wake up and do what? Face the day. Some of you may not like waking up tomorrow to, you may like, if I for anything, you just want to press the snooze button and go to sleep. But by the time you remember that there are beasts to pay, you get up and go. Why? At that point in time, getting that job to keep you going is more important than relaxing or lying down. So there are priorities in life. Someone once said, to change your life, you need to change your priorities. In other words, if you want to change everything about you, there's a need to change the things you focus on. And that's why they say that a fool is the one that keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again and expect there to be a difference. You can't keep praying and doing the same thing and say, oh Lord, please give me a brighter future. Meanwhile, you're doing the same thing. So if you want to change your life, you must understand the principles of priority. I remember some years back, a dear sister woke, woke up one day and said, in her 50s, I said, I needed to change my life. And I think that was one of the biggest bold, audacious thing she did. Before then, she was working a job, you know, somewhere in Richmond Hill here that she didn't quite like. Be before then, she was dependent on, on so many things to make her funds, you know, add up and meet. But she woke up one day and said, look, I, I need to change this. I need to change this. She went back to school past 50. And today, she sorts out her bill by herself. Not dependent on anybody. Doing a job she likes. Why? Priorities and prioritizing her life. Friends, you've got to look at yourself and ask yourself, what are my priorities in life? Because your decisions reveals your priorities. What you decide on, that this is what I'm going to do today, will always reveal what it is that is a priority to you. Things that are important to you. They, they reveal it. They reveal it. So if, for instance, you decide tomorrow, hey, I, I don't want to do anything again about my life, it also reveals your priority. If also you decide tomorrow, I need to change my relationships, change my relationship with God, it also decides your priorities. L listen, friends, every one of us must have things we are pursuing. But the question is, 
how important are they in the overall spectrum of things? How important? How important? Jesus is a perfect example of a man who had priorities in life. He had priorities. They tried to stop him. He said, look here, I have my focus on my goal. They said to, they said to him, hey, let's make you a king here. He said, no, I'm not here to be a king. My focus is to win souls. It's to draw men back into the kingdom. My focus is to die on the cross. Every one of us must have focus and goals, things we are running to and running for. The question again is, what are your priorities? What are your priorities? For everyone, there's a foundation, a big foundation that Jesus Christ laid for you and I, which is very important, that teaches us what kingdom priorities are. There are personal priorities, there are earthly priorities, but there are kingdom priorities. Kingdom priority tells us about what is important to heaven. Personal priorities are the things that are important to me. For instance, if I had my way this morning, you know where I would be? Just lying there in my bed. And I had a very hectic day yesterday. And um, went for evangelism, left evangelism, went for one serious old one bear, one party. And um, passed it, I left. And then I said, let me just take a little nap. Got up very early in the morning. And as I was getting ready to bath, something said, why not just sleep a little bit? Every one of us will have things that are priorities for us. It may be personal. It may be personal. And, 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 and the truth is that if you check your life, there are things that are personal to you. There are things that are personal. There are things that you really love. The things you love. But those are personal things. There, there are things that are earthly priorities. You, 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 you're dreaming of becoming the CEO of Amazon. It's good. But maybe it's earthly. I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong about that. You, you're dreaming of, you know, touring the world. You want to go to, from Honolulu to Afghanistan to... You have, you have a bucket list of the places you want to tour. There's nothing wrong about that. But the question is, those are the priorities that people run after in the world. Someone once told me, so when I retire, you know what I'm going to do? I said, what are you going to do? He said, I am going to just save up a lot of money, and I'm going to be going from one country to another, to another, to another, to another. I said, good for you. <laughs> but do you know that people have different priorities? Oh, yes. I met a man once, you know, who bought one of the businesses that I sold. And he said to me, he made $100,000 the previous year. And decided to do what? Go on vacation with 100K. You know what he did? He moved from one beach to one beach. From Mexico to Florida. From Florida to Jamaica. And one year he finished burning the money with his family. And he came back and said, now work starts. (laughs) 
In fact, when they told me the story, I say, obviously, you're not from Africa. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll say, all right, if let's say they swear for you, <laughs> maybe there's something wrong, you know. <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong. There are people who save up because they want to have a good time. But, but the point, my friend, is this. Is that what the kingdom wants for you? Is that what the kingdom wants for me? Are, are the personal things you're pursuing, the things that God wants for you? Are, are the worldly things we're pursuing, are those the things that God wants for me? Are they the things that want, God wants? So within the context of my desires, within the context of the things I need to pursue in the world, I have to put everything within the frame of what heaven wants for me. That's what kingdom priority is. That's what it is. So Jesus Christ summarized it in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I like the way that the NLT version puts it. It says, seek first the kingdom of God above everything. Seek it above everything. Live righteously. And it will give you everything you need. So seek first the kingdom of God above everything. I'd like you to think for a moment. Let's assume God just appears to you now. Or an angel comes now. And says to you, hey, Jambul, ask me anything you want me to do for you. Just ask me one thing. What are you going to ask? What are you going to ask? What are you going to ask? You see, what you ask for determines your priority. Determines it. God appeared to Solomon and said to Solomon, ask me one thing. Oh, if I were Solomon, I would have said, hey, I've just been made the king. I want to be the most famous king, the greatest king that ever lived. You see, but Solomon did not ask for fun things. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for fame. If I was Solomon at that point in time, the, the father had bequeathed so much resources to him, and he said to him, look, hey, build this house for God. If I were Solomon, I would have said to God, you see, there's something very urgent that I need to do now. Please help me to build this temple. Or maybe I would have said to Solomon, uh, I mean to God, you know, there are, there are people who did not like me before I got to, the, you know, got to this point. His brother was there. There were many people who hated him who didn't want him to become the king. I would have said, God, please destroy all my enemies so that I can last long on the throne. What would you ask? You know what Solomon asked? He said, Lord, give me wisdom to glorify you. Kingdom priorities. Kingdom priorities. So when Jesus Christ was saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God, or seek ye first the kingdom above all things, there are about five kingdom priorities I like to bring out from there that everyone must commit to. If you're a citizen of heaven, if you treasure life beyond here, there are five things at least that every one of us must commit to. The first thing that we must commit to is that you must commit as a kingdom priority your relationship with God. That is most important than anything else. 
They seek it for the kingdom of God above everything. In other words, your relationship with God is first. That's the greatest priority. And sometimes God will test it. Remember one day, we were supposed to be having a great workers meeting in church so many years ago. And for some reason, the workers meeting was set on a day that Nigeria was playing one of those wonderful soccer's football. Oh, and, and I liked, I liked, I used to love dearly, I still love today, football. And uh, I said, ah, but I can, I, can, I, can, I can go to church another day. Let me sit down and watch this game. Well, of course, I sat down at home and I watched the game. And guess what? They banged us seriously. But when we got to church the following week, the pastor said, all of you who did not come to church because you watched the football stand up, Almost half of the workers that are men, all of us stood up. You know, if you were in Redeem in Nigeria, you know what discipline is. You know, they showed us the fear of God. They disciplined us. But see, that's not where I'm going to. Where I'm going to is that, yeah, I saw the discipline. But after then, the question the Holy Spirit asked me is this. Which one is more important? The momentary pleasure of enjoying watching that game or being in my presence where you can encounter my presence. Which one is more important? God must be forced. Must be forced. Must be forced. God cannot be second. Some of you that are, that, that for one reason or the other, the reason why we're skipping our relationship with God, our relationship with God is not as it ought to be, is because you feel your spouse is the one holding you down. You don't have an excuse though. Your children cannot be an excuse. Job can be. In fact, the truth is that every time you make job, family, or anything first, you are setting up yourself for disaster. Anytime. God must be forced. The Bible says that God is what? is a jealous God. You can't put someone else ahead of him. You can't put anything. Nothing. In fact, the reason why God other scatters people, look at the children of Israel. Every time they put something as an idol, God scatters them. Or God deals with them. So any time you put family or anything before God, it's a different thing. And what I mean about, I'm talking about your relationship with God. Your relationship with God. God demands to be forced. That is why the first thing he said is that say, you must have no other God. So the question is, what, what, what are the idols we are creating around our lives? What are the things that we have made as little gods over us? When you check it out, you realize that people will sacrifice anything. They say, ah, God understands. God understands. But every kingdom citizen must realize that you can't make created things above the creator. We can't. We can't. It means, therefore, that there's no reason not to have a good, quiet time. 
So those of us who wake up in the morning, and the first thing we grab is, oh, where is that WhatsApp? And the day goes, flitters, flitters away. Oh, we have friends we chat with. And then we chat away the whole day. And so God understands. We don't have time to study the word. So God, it's a busy, it's a busy, it's a busy season. I'm always very busy. It's just only 24 hours. Friends, you've got to learn what your priorities are. The priority is God must be one. First. Must be first. Friends, if God is first, give him the time. Do him. In other words, that means that every morning before you sleep, you must say to yourself, this is when I have to wake up so that I can spend some time with God in prayer so I can read the Bible so that at the end of the day, I can get closer to God. That's what prioritizing is. You prioritize the kingdom. Prioritize the kingdom. Don't, don't just let your day begin to run as if you don't have a plan for it. Set your alarm. You know what some of us do? We're going to leave the house 7 o'clock. We set our alarm 6.30. So that you just wake up, you rush straight into the bathroom. And then from the bathroom, <laughs> may God help us. May God help us. Relationship is false. That is why as well, if you don't have a relationship with God, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, friends, if you have not invited him in into your Lord, life as your Lord and your Savior, you are playing with something that is not good. He must be everything to you. He created you for a purpose, and that purpose is to serve him. Can I take it deeper? Can I take it deeper? I hope after this, after this some people will, will still like me. But it's the word of God. But do you know that it is possible to leave your first love? It's possible to leave your first love. There are some of us who are, we are working very hard, we're doing so much for God. We are, we are serving God, we are laboring for Christ, and we're happy. Oh yes, I'm always there in church, I'm always working, I'm always serving, I'm always doing that. But if you check your heart, what was your love like before? Sometimes you hear husbands and wives say, oh, that man changed, that was not how he used to treat me when we were dating. Oh, Oh, when, when we first married, those six months, you know, it was like as if I was, you know, I was, I was just, I was in the moon. I was just coasting around and he, he just loved me. But something changed. Many of us, when we gave our lives to Christ, the passion with which we loved God, the passion with which we served God was so much. We loved him so dearly. We could spend hours and hours and hours, call for an evangelism, you'd be the first to be there. Call for a prayer meeting, you'll be forced to be there. Call for an assistance of volunteering in church, you'll be forced to be there. But what happened? You left your first love. Look at what Jesus Christ said to John in the book of Revelation chapter 2. And verse 2. He said, I know your works. I know your labor. In other words, you're laboring, you're, I know it, you labor very well. I know your patience. You're working very hard. You're even very patient. I know that you can't bear to see those things that are evil. You have tested those who, who say, you know, that they are apostles and they are not. And you have found them to be liars. In verse 4, look at what it says in verse 4. 
He says, but I have something against you. You've left your first love. Left your first love. The way some of us started our Christian faith, we were so passionate about God. We called for, yesterday for instance, we called for evangelism to go out for an outreach. Only a very handful of people were there. God bless those of you who came. God bless you mightily. But what was the rest of us doing? Our business. Is it possible, friends, that life challenges have made us lose our first love? Look at the man. Sometimes when I read the story of Aaron in the book of Exodus, he said, I just ask God for, for help and mercy. So I don't get entangled with life or entangled with people so that, so that he denies me the privilege of loving God and serving him with a passion. Aaron was a man that had relationship with God, just like many of us. Aaron was one that I've seen God move. He's had God talk. He's been in the presence of God. He's burnt off, off offerings before God. And then suddenly people said to him, Aaron, make us a God. We don't know where these Moses have gone. You know what Aaron did? I don't have time to read it. But the Bible says that Aaron asked them, bring your earrings. So they gave Aaron, they gave Aaron their earrings. And Aaron made a golden calf. And the Bible says, he said to them, this is your God. And guess what? Aaron took burnt off, I mean, did burnt offerings for this golden calf before Moses came down. And in my head, you know, when I was preparing this message, that's the story of the scripture came back to me. And said to me, are there things that people are forcing you to do contrary to what you were supposed to be doing before? Are there things? Or maybe somebody has been serving before, you've been serving God passionately before, but suddenly what people did to you have made you draw back. You've gone suddenly cold. Why? I don't like the way they treated me. Don't leave your first love, friends. Because God is saying here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, I have it against you if you leave your first love. May God restore back your love, your passion and your desires for him much more than ever before. Tell somebody, make God first. The second thing, about kingdom priorities that we see in that same scripture in Matthew chapter 6, 33, is that every decision you take must be based on kingdom criteria. In other words, take decisions using kingdom criteria. Everything. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, the Bible says, in everything you do, I think that's the, the, the living translation the Living Bible Translation. It says, in everything you do, Proverbs chapter 6, 3, verse 6, put God first. And he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Every decision must not be based on your personal decision of what you think your life only should be about. It should be based on what does the kingdom Want for me? What does he want for me? What, is he, what does he want? Every major decision in life you've got to take, it has to reference the kingdom first. 
Because the simple reason is that at the end of the day, this world is going to pass away. What is going to remain is the kingdom. That's what is going to remain. So if you take a wrong decision, you probably end up in the wrong destination. That is why every decision must be based on the criteria of eternity. What does God want for me? How does God want me to play this? And that is why friends, especially for those who are not married, don't just say, oh, oh I, I can just marry anybody. Some will say, oh, I will, I will change him. I will change her. So is he born again? He's not born again, but uh, I, would, I, would, I, would, I will work on him. I wonder when you become the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Another work on people. Is that what heaven wants? Even as little as your job is. Your job. Your job. You see, you, you're going to make a decision on your job based on, is this what God really wants for me? Is it what God wants for me? There are things in my life I've denied. There are opportunities I've stopped. Because at the end of the day, when I look at it from the overall spectrum of what I think I should do for God and the kingdom, it stops me, it denies me, it hinders me. Everything is not money, friends. Everything should be about how am I building a legacy for eternity? That is a priority. That's a goal. So the kingdom must be your greatest interest. Must be your greatest, in, greatest interest. Must be your greatest interest. I like to run because of the sake of my time. The third thing. And every one of us must commit to this. Is that you must prioritize kingdom interest in your prayers. In your prayers. You know, I learned a big lesson some years back. I had a long written list of prayer items. And all of them related to me, my family, my career, my job, and everything. And one day the Holy Spirit said to me, in this list, which one is my own? And I was looking at the list, and there was none. And there was none. Everything was about me, money, my life, my health, the things that were important to me. And there's nothing wrong about that. But if you look at the theme of our, this month, your kingdom come, comes before give us this day. Is it not there? Is there? And, and if you look at the whole list of the prayer, prayer, you know, Format that Christ gave to us. The area where it talks about give us this day is just a little. Like it first talked about worship. If it talks about your kingdom, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it goes further to begin to talk about you know praying for other people and all of all of that. So so the question is within the context of prioritizing the kingdom. How, how much do you put the kingdom interest into your prayer life, into your prayer list? You've got to prioritize it. And, and I'd like you to look at it from a, from a seed to harvest perspective. When you sow seeds praying for others, and praying for the kingdom of God, you know what God does? God not only answers those things, 
But he leaves those sins and also do, does what? He does the things. He said, before you even start praying, he knows the things you need. Knows the things you need. So let the kingdom, let it be the kingdom of God. Let, it, let the priority be. That, that is why, friends, if you have somebody in your family that is not saved, that should be your biggest burden. That must be your biggest burden. Of what use is it having all the money in the world? There's nothing wrong about having money. If your parents are going to hell, what use? God forbid. Of what use is having all, all, all of that when at the end of the day we can stay in the presence of God and prioritize those things? The kingdom priorities of praying for souls must be evident in our lives. The kingdom priority of praying for throne of grace must be real in our lives. If I should ask now, how many people pray for throne of grace as a matter of routine, principle? I don't want to ask. But you can answer the question yourself. But talk, how many people are quick to see faults? Oh, all of us. Even me, I see faults. Me, pastor, I'm, I see faults. Not to talk of the rest of us. And the truth is that there's no church that is perfect. But God is waiting for you and waiting for me. He said, I'm looking for a man that will do a stand in the gap. And say, oh Lord, rain down righteousness. Who stand in the gap? I said, Lord, I don't like what I'm seeing in my, the life of my brother. Stand in the gap. I said, Lord, I don't, want to, I don't like what I'm seeing in your church. Can you turn things around? God is looking for men. He's looking for people. Where are the men and the women who stand in the gap? The Bible talks about a woman who, who, you know, at the early age, some theologians tell us that she was married for only eight years. Called Hannah. And then after that, she said, no more marriage. The Bible says that what she did every day was to go to the church and kneel down and say, Lord, let your kingdom come. You said a Messiah will be born. When is he going to come? All he was asking for was for the birth of a Messiah. That was all. That was all. All she did, and the scripture records her name. When Jesus Christ was revealed, he, he was the first person, one of the people that, you know, the, Jesus Christ was the, the, the first brought, to, brought Jesus Christ to. And then said, oh Lord, you know, and Zachariah, let, let us know your servant depart, you know, and on and on. So let's prioritize the kingdom things. God is looking for men and women who will say, can you give me Canada? Can you give me people in my workplace? You work in a big organization. Are you interceding with God for men and women in that place? That's what kingdom is about. That's the priority of heaven. That's the priority of heaven. The fourth thing. That you must dedicate your best resources to the kingdom. Your best resources. Your best. Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 21. It says, to you and I, where to do your investments. It says, don't let them on earth because inflation will wipe them. Stock market will collapse. And thieves will break in and steal. But it says in verse 21, in 20, it says, say, lay up where? Say, lay up treasures. This is the biggest investment advice 
anyone can think about. It begins. He said, we're treasures. When moth and rust will not destroy, where thieves do not break in or steal. Between 1997 and 1998, I had the privilege and the opportunity to work in what they call an organization that does Bureau de Change Services. Bureau de Change Services is where they remit, they remit money. And there was this client that we, set of clients that we had. An organization... And a couple of people work with them. About 11 to 12 expatriates work with them, largely Indians. Every month, this organization will bring a list of different names and different amounts of money that we're going to wire from Nigeria, when I was, where I was living then, back to India. And so one day, I got into an engagement with the accountant who normally brings this list. And I said... How much do you pay these people that they are sending so much money back to India? He said, you won't believe it, but they send almost practically everything and just only leave a little that they are going to use spend here. Here, every other thing they send to India. And I said, really? I said, why? He said, well, I guess they believe that very soon, someday, they're going to go back. To India. So they, they rather invest there. So that by the time they go back, they will have something there to live with. And that lesson stuck up with me for a long time. It stuck up with me for a long time. And every now and then in my choices, in my choices, in my choices, something tells me how much am I investing out there compared to what I'm investing here I think I told us a story sometimes back. I walked into a shop and I wanted to buy a wristwatch, $5,000, good wristwatch. I really loved it. I really loved it. And I had the money to pay. Not borrowing, I had the money to pay. And I picked up the wristwatch and I wanted to buy it. I wanted to swipe my card and then come back home and say, my, my dear, just come and look at this. Just look at this. Just look at it. And as I picked up my wallet from my post to swipe the card, something to say, says to me, how does this matter to you in the investments you have made out there in the kingdom? And I know how, I know how God speaks to me. Incidentally, before then, a missionary has been calling and chatting with me and saying to me, oh boy, we're going to mission field in so-so-and-so place and we need some support, we need some help, we need some all of that. And then I've been saying to him, okay, I'm going to organize and arrange something and send to you. Nothing told me to drop the research because there's other investments I need to make. Are they wrong? I'm not saying they're wrong. Please don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is within the context of the investment, at the end of the day, that is where we are going. That's where we're going. So how much investment are you making there? How much investment? The question is, where are your valuables? Where are your, where are your treasures? I think we were talking this morning in Sunday school. 
Sunday school is very good. Though. I'd like to encourage you, come early. And the people teaching it are fantastic. Very phenomenal. We're, we're talking about crowns. Rewards of investment. You know, that, 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 that is made. You, you must look at your resources from at least three perspectives. One is your time. Two is your skills. And three is your res money, resource. The, the question is, within the frame of things, how much time are you giving to God? How much time are you investing? You know, time is everything. With time, you buy money, you get money. If there are some people, for instance, who work, and when they work, one hour, $500. Some people. Some people work one, one, one hour, $15. So if everybody has value to their time. But, but at the same time, God also needs your time. He needs your time. He needs your time. And, and that is why many people don't understand the concept of Sabbath. We think that the concept of Sabbath is just the day to just sit down at home only and just relax. God said to them, seven days, God created the world, you know. I mean, six days, he created the one. The, the, the seven day, the scripture says he rested. And it says, it says to you and I, you know, rest, have a Sabbath day, keep the Sabbath day holy. The concept of that, friends, is that you must remember that you, within the context of your time, there must be a day set aside, at least in a week, where you are saying to God, I want to give you all. And pour myself to you. And pour myself in service. And pour myself in love. And pour myself in honor. I don't want to do anything, but I want to just love you. That's what Sabbath is. Yes, it's, it's a time to relax, but also it's a time to do what? It's a time to volunteer yourself and give it to God in service. Your time, your time, your time is crucial. How much time are you investing in the things of God? Much time. How much time are you investing in serving God? How, how much time are you investing in your, even your personal work with him? How much time are you investing in your corporate work with him? Never mind, friends. If you invest your time with God, God is going to repay you back. And that's so true. Because if you look at the later part of that scripture, it says, seek for the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and everything will be added. In other words, as, 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 as you commit your time unto God, God sends a shipload of stuff into your life. And that will be your portion in the mighty name of Jesus. The second thing is your skills. Some of us have great skills. How are you using those skills? How are you using those skills? Some of us are computer experts. We're looking for people in, um, in technical, in media, to use your skills. Some of us have golden voice. Not like my mind that croaks. We're looking for people in fragrance of life. Some of you have great stamina to be able to lead and just usher people to sit somewhere. You have capacity to stand. We're looking for people in ushering. Some of you have attractive smiles that is charming. When you just smile like this, you know, they, they just, people just drop their hands. So, oh my God, oh my God. They're looking for you in greetings and welcome. Do you, can, do you understand how much impact it may make in the life of somebody? You, somebody's just coming up from home. It's had a very bad day and a rough day. And then you are standing out there as a greeter. And then you are full of smile and joy and so charming and so welcoming. 
Do you understand how much, how much kind of water it will pour upon such a weary and a thirsty soul? How much of your energies are you using for him? My time is gone. What about your money? People don't like that. But it shows your priority. If you can't give God your money, I don't know who you can give it to. You can't even give it to your spouse. But if you can't serve God first with your money, he gave it to you in the first place. So, now imagine for a moment, you know, because some people are really very stingy when it comes to money. And I'm talking about stingy. Really stingy. Me, I, and myself. Now think for a moment. The way you are giving in this church, if you are the only one that God depends on for the work in this place, how we church run? Heaven will be crying. Oh, we sell so much to them. They are doing nothing. Oh, but people, all of us will have excuses. They say the bigger the head, the bigger the problem. So sometimes people think, oh, this, they, they can give because they have big salary. But you know the head, how the, the trouble they're carrying in the head. The, the truth, friends, is at the end of the day, if you can't serve God with your resources, you can't serve God with anything. Oh, let, let anybody make any argument about tithing or no tithing, giving or no giving, what they do with the money or they don't deal with the money. You are giving it in the first place unto God. I have never questioned one day before I became a pastor and up till now, once I give, I've given it to God. One day I have never come to say, what are you guys doing with it? My wife is here. One of the days that they raised offering in church, I was not a pastor at the time. And the Lord said to me, sell your car, that the one that yourself and your wife has, and give it. She said, I told her, my dear, I have sold that car. Giving it to church. If you can't give to him, at the end of the day, it's eternity. It's eternity. What are they doing with it? Let that be the business between God and them. But the work must move on. The work must move on. The work must move on. Because at the end of everything, what I want is, I want, I want God to be able to say to me, well done, that good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. May that be your portion. Yes. Lastly, for, for the sake of my time. Everyone must prioritize seeking the salvation of souls. The last instruction that Jesus Christ gave us when he left here to heaven. And he said he was going to come back again. It was in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 and 20. It says, go ye and make disciples of all nations. That is still very important in the agenda of heaven. That's one of the greatest priorities of God. Make disciples. God wants you and I to win souls. God wants us to win souls. There are some souls that are lost naturally. The story of the lost sheep just, lo just got lost there are some that are lost accidentally. You know, the story of the lost coin. 
There are some souls that are lost willfully. They just know that. I was sharing this gospel with somebody yesterday. He said, I know, I know God, is, God exists. I know. But I just choose not to. I choose not to. But friends, irrespective of the category in which they are, we must make up our minds. We want to seek the lost, every soul that is lost, starting with our immediate families. Everyone. 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 And there are ways we can do it, friends. Can you or someone here say to God, Lord, I want the soul of everyone in my office. Can you and everyone that is here or watching online say to God, I want the soul of everyone in my immediate family, the family of my in-laws, my extended family, I want the soul of everyone. Can you? And then when you make up your mind that I want to see these souls, you now begin to comport yourself. Because you see, winning souls is not only a function of you preaching the word, it's also a function of your lifestyle. The greatest message anyone will ever read is the message of your life. That's the greatest message. Oh, before you tell me that Jesus Christ is, is love, show me that love. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. And I close with this. God is seeking for a man. We, read, we talked about that scripture before. It says, I sought for a man amongst them. Who make up the wall, who stand in the gap before me. May God find you. May God find you. I close with this story. In the early mid-70s, when I was in high school, I had some teachers. I don't know why it is Indian stories that are coming to my head this, this afternoon. <laughs> but maybe because they've taught me a lot of lessons in life. There's so many things you encounter in the process of life that teaches you a lot of lessons. I had some of these, we had some of these great Indian teachers in, in school, teaching maths, all those tough subjects. There were quite a handful of them. In the high school that I attended, you know, one village in somewhere back in Nigeria. And these Indians at that time in the 75, 76, 78, 77, they were paying them a lot of money. And Nigerians then, you know, with little money, you buy a Pujo and uh, you just be driving around. I remember the day that my, my dad first bought a Pujo, I mean, bought uh, Nissan Cadet, this Cadet car, you know, back in the days. We were all, the amount he spent on it, you know, was very small amount. These Indians, will, they will pay them their salary. You will not see it in them. The best that many of them had was a bicycle that they used to run, drive around the campus, then drive to town and all of that stuff. The rest of the money they were sending it back home. Why? They knew that that place was not their home. They knew that someday they were living for somewhere else. Friends, do you know that this is not your home? Canada is not your home. You may be a citizen, but please. Permit me, this is not your resting home. Very soon, one day, everything will pass away. 
The glamour of seeing Thor is going to pass away. The glamour of the house in which you live in is going to pass away. In fact, the Bible said that they will met us with fairy fire and they'll be all gone. And then Jesus begins to describe for us what is going to happen, you know, back in, in, in those days. And it says in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 21 and verse 1, John seen the description of what is going to come. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He said, the old earth is disappeared and the sea also has gone. And all these things, everything will be wiped away. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem. He says, coming down out of heaven. This is a city that Jesus, God, is preparing for you and I. Beautifully dressed and adored. And I said, I heard a loud voice saying, he said, look. God's home is now amongst his people. And we will live with them. He will live with us forever and ever. Friends, what are your priorities? Stand to your feet. Thank you for listening to today's word and we believe you have been blessed. For further information, please visit our website at www.throneofgracecanada.ca or send us an email to info at throneofgracecanada.ca The word works. Throne of Grace. Transforming lives. Establishing His kingdom.